You're listening to Save Yourself. Conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimited Wealth. Join us for discussions, debates, and strategies that have brought them and their clients financial freedom and how you too can break free from traditional boundaries to unlimit your wealth. And welcome to another episode of Save Yourself Podcasts brought to you by Unlimit Wealth. This is Jordan Cole. I'm here with the Brad Lowe, the Mike Schwally, and uh, we want to get into some additional use cases today, most specifically how we can use infinite banking to help solve a problem that is a pretty hot button issue in the country uh, and, and a lot for our, you know, all, a lot of our clients as well is the student loan problem, right? Mm. So um, I'm going to just tee it up because this is something we've all dealt with um, over the last lots of years. Um, it's been a little more tricky when the federal government just says you don't have to pay them. Yeah. Uh, so then I have clients asking me, should I pay them? Should I pay some? Should I pay some? Should I pay none? Should I defer? And uh, it's it's caused you know. In the midst of chaos like that, you try to find a way to be creative. So I think we've all done a little bit different things with it, with infinite banking as it relates to student loan payoffs because everybody's motivated to try to get rid of them. But then again, you don't want to try to advise somebody to try to throw all their money at something that's basically costing them nothing, at least for right now. So with all of that in mind, I'll start with you, Brad. Walk me through at least – the initial conversations when you do meet with someone with someone who has student loans that they're highly motivated to get rid of. They obviously have some money, um, some good cash flow that they're trying to redirect towards those. Where do you start with that conversation? Yeah. So we, we have a lot of those conversations here. All of us. I mean, we're, we're in Homewood, Alabama, just, just over the hill from Birmingham where university of Alabama, Birmingham is located premier medical school there, optometry school there, Sanford University right down the road that is in Homewood as one of the top pharmacy schools uh, around. So we have a lot of medical professionals that finish their education, uh, either finish their um, first phase of their education here or come here for their residency. So we, we ended up having a lot of these conversations. And so typically what we see you know, especially I've worked with several where it was a couple, you know, they met in medical school, pharmacy school, they're married. Mm-hmm. They both have a pile of debt. I mean, we've seen, I've seen as much as $550,000 across a couple. You know, they're about to both be great earners, but they're starting five hundred fifty grand in the hole, right? Right, yeah. Well, they, have, they haven't made any money yet in their career. Their instinct, because obviously it's taken a lot of hard work to get through medical school, get those degrees, whatever whatever professional school it is, a lot of their mentality is, "Hey, I'm gonna, we're gonna still live like we have been living, and, and stay in our apartment, and you know, eat bologna sandwiches or whatever that looks like, and we're gonna, we're gonna spend enough to barely get by. Everything else is gonna go to these student loans. We don't want. We're be, gonna live off one income and have all the rest of it. Yes, go. yeah. yeah. That's very, dig that's, our way out. That's very typical. And so we, we, we want to try to help them. You know, we say this over and over. We want to try to turn an expense into an asset, and and instead of you know their mentality is well I'm gonna you know, typically student loans you're gonna have a a ten year amortization option or a twenty five year option mm-hmm. they say well I don't want to pay it off over twenty five years I'm gonna choose the ten year option well that makes their minimum payment go up right so 
that makes their minimum payment greater, but then they also say, I'm going to throw a bunch extra at that. Well, a lot of times what we look at, somebody's got you know a $3,000 minimum payment, and they're going to throw an extra $3,000 at it. So they're going to do $6,000 a month toward their student loans, maybe more. Yep. We say, well, what if we – what if we took the 25-year amortization, not because we want to take 25 years to pay it off, but we want to get more control of your cash flow? Mm-hmm. What if we take the 25-year amortization, redirect those funds, so now your minimum, instead of being 3000 might be 1400 a month, 1300 a month. Well, if you're still committed to the $6,000 a month of cash flow, well, now we have $4,500, $4,800 a month of cash flow that we just freed up that we can redirect into a system – and once a year, take a large principal balance from that and pay down debt. Well, effectively, and Mike's going to get into some kind of the teeth of the numbers behind this, what we do is take cash flow that was going to happen anyway. Same same thing we do with a business owner. Take cash flow that was going to happen anyway. How can we redirect that? And instead of getting five, six, seven years down the road and having student loans paid off, and okay, now I'm going to start to build wealth. We build wealth along the way, still get the student loans paid off five, six, seven years down the road, but we have an asset that's worth several hundred thousand dollars that's going to compound in a tax-free environment for us for the rest of our life. That's right. You still got to the same place. You still freed up the same cash flow. You had that same, but instead of starting at zero, you're now compounding on a big dollar. And so to go transition that into a story uh, similar to Brad's is sat down with a uh, a pharmacist, a uh, young lady, she was uh, eager to get out of student loan debt, had about 200000 roughly of student loan debt um, that she had built up. And her plan was uh, her minimum payment, I believe. We did the long-term 25-year. The minimum payment was around 500 a month. Mm-hmm. And her plan was, I'm, I'm going to put 2000 a month at, at least towards mm-hmm. this every month. Throw that extra capital. So we, we sat down. We talked about that extra $1,500. What can we be more efficient with it? keep it in our control, maybe life throws a curveball. Once, you know, go back to your example, once that client paid that $6,000, that money's gone, right? Mm-hmm. That's out of their control. Mm-hmm. It, you can't call them back a week later and say, oh, just kidding, I, my my engine went out of my car. I got to do some repairs. Mm-hmm. So um, so we, we want to be more efficient and more effective with those dollars. So for her, we, we took that extra 1500 put about eighteen grand a year into a policy, and we we started this strategy. So her original debt payoff plan, um, I think Jordan touched on this in the previous episode, was a little bit more accelerated than what we were going to get. I think it was going to take about five, five and a half years if she were to just throw that extra cash on there. But because of the first year cash drag in the policy, we're a little bit behind, and we, we were able to complete her payoff by around year, beginning, middle of year six. So we're about a year behind. Where's the advantage? The advantage was we paid down a little bit of the student loan. We took a, a policy loan in year seven, seven is what we're going to do, or year six, uh, at the beginning of year six, for about 140000 paid off the remainder of the debt. She now is compounding on about 157000 at that time. Now we've, now we've got all $2,000 in her control. We've now built an asset, protected her family. She she was newly married and and had a young child. So all those extra benefits that came off, we, we got to the same place. We just had a bigger pool. And and I'm looking a little bit further down the road. At, re, at retirement age, she, now in this example, we're not contributing another dollar to the policy for the rest of her life. So after year eight, we cut it off. We turned it off forever. So about uh, $144,000 went in. In this example, she was in her early 30s, obviously. Um, 
but we have about $1.2 million in retirement tax-free. Wow. Pretty, pretty substantial just by changing and redirecting some capital for about six or seven years. That is, that's not insignificant. That's not. Yeah, I mean, and that's and, – and like you said – we would probably teach our clients to continue to fund the policy to, you know, to, to think of the policy as an asset, not expense, you know, and obviously that's only going to add to that bottom line number at the end of their life. But right. at the very least you can tell them, say, look, if, if this is a short term thing that we want to do, we can still have our cake and eat it too. We can accomplish a short term goal. Meanwhile, we can create this asset that is going to help to be, a tax tax advantaged or tax uh, efficient tax deferred vehicle for income when we're in our sixties. Okay. Not to mention, you know, alongside our four hundred one k, which is also tax deferred or IRA tax deferred. So, uh, w- one of the things that at an example of two pharmacists, just to give my like you know two minute example, two pharmacists like you said, Brad married from school, both had debt, but when when I met them. Income was obviously really good. They were both making good money, um, had student loans, but they also had just built a house on some land, uh, had a truck, had a tractor, were uh, b- actively building a, a wedding venue on their property for uh, another asset, another asset cash flow, cash flowing property, and um, and that was you know basically a side business they were building. So really good things. Obviously they had invested a lot of money in their ability to make an income as a pharmacist, but they were also using their value of their property that they had to build another cash flowing asset. So they were really on the right track. This is what we want to try to tell people is you, you can be successful with or without us intervening. They were going to pay off their student loans. They were going to pay off their other debts, tractor, car, etc. They were going to be cash flowing positively, hopefully in the near future with the new business. All we want to do is add one level to that, which is what we did. We had policies for both of them. And the initial objective was let's just get let's get these these smaller debts out of the way. Tractor, maybe thirty or fifty thousand. I can't remember at the time. Vehicle was, you know, fifty thousand. Um, let's get these things out of the way because they were eating up a lot of their cash flow, mm-hmm. maybe eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month. So we were able to start policies on both of them. We knew we were going to get to the student loans, but those were obviously larger, larger amounts. And so we were able to have the control to decide every single year when we met, hey, we have X number of dollars. Like you, in your example, Mike, you waited until seven years until basically you had enough in the policy that superseded the amount that we owed on the student loan in total, and then we took a loan to extinguish it, right? Right. We could have done that the same way with this, but we knew we were funding it in such a way that within 18 months, we were able to pay off one thing. And then another 12 months, we were able to pay off another one. So we knew, let's be more aggressive with how we're taking money, when we're taking money, and eliminating these these negative cash flows. And then we now have control, not only over the cash flow, but also how much we want to cash flow back to ourselves and back to the policy. Hmm. And so now we are eight years into that, um, and 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 we're right on track uh, with they're doing great, um, and and we're continuing on that trajectory, and and we're looking at at a really good, um, like you said, we're looking at a really good 
uh, tax-advantaged retirement type. Because these are W-2 people. You know, we talk about businesses can sell. If you're a W-2 pharmacist, physician, surgeon, you're you're not selling an asset unless you have equity, you know, partnership or something like that in in the practice, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, Or own your own uh, pharmacy. So for those types of people, we can do something as simple as paying back student loans or paying back other loans and creating an asset, neutralizing those debts, overtaking the banking function, and now we have something significant in order to not only live off of that income and annuitize that later in life, but also have that tax-free distribution of generational wealth to transfer to the next generation. Yeah, And that projection you're talking about, that tax-free income is is a projection to an extent with the dividends and what we can get there, but there's some guarantee built in and, and we, we give it some lip service on this show sometime, but to know, not, not hope I'm going to get to a certain point at age 60, age 65, age 70 or what, but to be able to show a client and be able to look at that, your own policy and that helps you sleep at night a little bit better knowing that sure. X, Y, if I do X over these 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, I'm going to have Y waiting for me and my family and my wife. You know, when when we get to that point, we don't have to guess or take some of the hope out of it, the the uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely right, Mike. And I, and I would add, going kind of going back to, I mean, we we talked about student loan, but any any major loan piece on a piece of real estate, whatever it is, if it's amortized, we're big believers in getting control of that cash flow as fast as possible. So then, you know, you the 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 end user decides how the how the money flows best for your life. So an example of that is as opposed to taking on the student loan, you know, um, having a minimum payment of 1500 and sending an extra 4500 every month to that, if we put that 4500 in a policy or even in a savings account, just in a side fund and then once a year send a big principal payment, two things happen with that. Number one, like you pointed out Mike, or maybe it was you Jordan, we get to the end of the year, you know, Murphy always shows up plans always change. Well, if we wait to the end of the year and we've set aside, you know, 30 or $35,000 to pay extra on the principal, well, our HVAC unit may have just gone out. Well, maybe we need to use $7,500 for that or $10,000 for that. And then we send the rest to the student loan, right? We have that control over that along the way. But additionally, most of these student loans, and a lot of times, um, you know, you'd have to check with your bank on a, on a different amortized loan, but they'll do what's called recast. Mm-hmm. So if you make a substantial enough principal payment, which those extras monthly don't do it, but if you make a substantial principal payment at the end of the year, it's going to reduce your monthly payment if we ask them to recast because they're going to use the same amortization but use the new principal balance. Mm-hmm. So your your monthly is going to drop. So you may drop from 1500 a month to 1200 a month. Well, that's an additional 3600 that year that can go straight to drop in principal that otherwise would not have. And so there's lots of value in in that strategy from a cash flow perspective over and above just the tool that we're using to hold the capital along the way. And you said a great point earlier about when you start this conversation with a client. And the at, at first glance, when you propose to them, if they are really set on, I want to pay this off on a 10-year fixed payback period and you propose to them, Hey, you know, what would be actually better move that to a 25. 
whatever you say beyond that, in some cases, they just stop listening because they think, I'm going to pay 25 years on this. One, that's a long time. But two, now how much more interest am I, am I going to pay? Right. Well, it, it's an opportunity for us to remind people it's not always just about the rate. It's about the rate times the volume. And that's obviously including the number of dollars you're allocating towards that specific debt and the, and the years in which it, you allocate them. Right. And so if you are still going to pay it off in 10 years, which you do in your example, using the life insurance contract as a leveraging vehicle to pay it off, then are you really, are you really feeling the, the, the impact of a 25-year payback period in the general sense? The answer is no. But it's an opportunity for us to, just to kind of remind people and reset. This is kind of the unlearned, the learned thinking that we try to instigate people to do is they are so conditioned to thinking, I'm going to pay it off in 10 years. I'm going to pay my, you know, a 30 year mortgage. Even I'm going to not do that. I'm going to pay 15 years because I'm going to save so much. What interest, interest, interest. right? So we can show them we are all about that as well. Our our objective is is aligned with yours. We're not trying to deviate from your objective. In fact, we're trying to take what you think you're trying to accomplish and enhance it. So if you have a 30-year mortgage versus a 15, if, if you took the 15-year mortgage payment amount, but you had a 30-year mortgage and you did that 15-year mortgage payment amount on a 30-year mortgage, how long would it take you to pay it off? 15. Bingo. But did you have more control or less control? Yeah, a lot more. There's a significant amount of that that payment or that monthly cash flow that you were sending that was negotiable. Yeah. That you could, you know, if you had a lean month or something happened, you could adjust that and you're not going to get a call from your mortgage company. But if you are committed to the 15-year amount with the mortgage company, not negotiable. Right. Or you're going to get a nasty, and then, nasty and then, phone call. And what that does to take that a step further is, and we hear this sometimes too, is – I'm going to, I'm going to, and it, it all comes from a good place. Like I want right. to stop and say, this is come, these, these quote unquote mistakes that we see or, you know, conditioned learning behaviors that we come across. They had good intention. Yeah, exactly. But we want to help these people and say, let me help you a little bit. Their objective there is for them to, to pay that off. And then they say, well, once I get this debt eliminated, then I can start. Fill in the blank, saving, investing, right, et cetera. You think something else shows up before they get that debt paid off that eliminates that never, when I can start date? Never a, About a dozen things a year show up. Right. That's the problem. And so they just, you know, people will live in a state of, um, a state of focus on the reality or living in a vacuum and not realizing that there are outside forces at play and our job is to try to put them in a – this is why control is so important. We say it over and over, and it becomes kind of, you know, it just can become a little bit lip servicey. Control means choices, and we have choices if we are better at redirecting our capital to a place where we have access to it so that when, hey, you know what it's time to do? Instead of 30000 going to this – uh, principal payment this year. I know I'm close to paying it off, but interest rates dropped. Or hey, guess what? COVID happens, and now I'm deferred for, you know, however many months. I, I I'll just push pause on that, and I'm going to fund really heavily towards my life insurance contract. We actually took advantage of that. 
with a client who kickstarted a new policy and we've funded like crazy the last couple of years. And now we're sitting here as, you know, this is being recorded in August of 2023. It's projected that in the next month or so, then they're going to require minimum payments to begin. And let's say that they do. Well, now we're in a position where she can decide, Hey, I'm within 12 months of paying this off. But I also, if I needed to go buy a car, if I needed to do whatever, put a new roof on my house because it's leaking every night, I have the choices and the control to be able to do that. And that's that's the, the real-life example and impact, tangible impact of choices and control more than just saying it, you know, hey, it's nice to have control versus not. Yep, yep exactly. Good stuff. All right, guys. Anything else? No, I think we covered it. All right. Yeah, we we love that we love to talk about this concept. We love all of the secondary and tertiary uh, benefits that come from infinite banking, specifically paying off stuff like this. And, and this can manifest itself not just for physicians or or other high net worth people or high earners that have debt to pay off, but you know, think about this in multiple iterations and get with us, help us, cu- you know, let us help you customize solutions like this. Um, if you have questions, obviously continue to, to educate yourself about infinite banking using the resources we have at Unlimit. And uh, for Mike and, and Brad, I'm Jordan Cole. This is Save Yourself Podcast with Unlimit Wealth. You've been listening to Save Yourself, conversations, ideas, and strategic thinking with the four founders of Unlimit Wealth. To learn more about Unlimit Wealth or to make a personal appointment, visit us online at unlimitwealth.com.